Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Hope can be a tremendous thing. If a person has hope, then their ability to withstand hardship and suffering is immeasurably enhanced. And as Christians, we above all people should live a life that is full of hope and therefore equipped to handle whatever may come our way. Paul the Apostle experienced many hardships and knew much about hope. And in his letter to the Ephesians, he opens up his earnest prayer to God on behalf of all the believers. And one of the items that he prayed for strongly was that we all would see clearly and truthfully what is the hope of our calling. For hope is a wonderful thing, but our hope needs to be founded in truth and in the reality that the Bible conveys, and not in something fanciful or simply according to the popular thought of the day. Francis Ball has joined us as we consider the hope of our calling today. Francis, welcome to this program. Thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to this time in Ephesians chapter 1. This marvelous prayer, Francis, in verse 18, and I think I'll read it now, that the eyes of your heart having been enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This prayer indicates two things that the apostle was desperately uh, seeking after. First, that we would see what is the hope of our calling. And then second, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? The first item, hope, we're going to look at both of these today, Francis. But as we pointed out already in the beginning, Christians are a people of hope, aren't they? Especially if we compare our situation today with how Paul describes it later in chapter 2 when he says, uh, apart from Christ and alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Those are tremendous words, and it makes us appreciate so much the hope that we have today. Of course, Israel was God's choice people, and we were just Gentiles, strangers from that commonwealth, alienated from that commonwealth and strangers from the covenants that God had made with his people. But now, in Christ, we have a hope. We were a people with no hope, without God, and in the world. Those three things really strike me. Right. Me no hope, without God, and in the world. This is no longer our case, Chris. We have hope, we are in Christ, and we're with God. Amen. Uh, Francis, I think uh, we'd point out as we begin today is that acknowledging freely the hope that we have, but really a desire uh, and a burden that uh, I think will be evident in witnessly speaking today, that this hope be really founded uh, in something substantial according to his word of truth. Yes, we need that kind of uh, basis for our hope. Because some of the hope that's out there may not be based in, in things that are... Uh, 
that rock solid once we really get into the Word of God. And I think that's uh, one of the things we want to make sure that today we get our eyes very closely focused on. I think when we're through with this, it won't be a hope show. It'll be a genuine, founded hope. Hmm. Uh, I think a verse that will help us as we get into this first segment on that we may know the hope of his calling is Colossians chapter 127. He'll refer to this, and that verse simply says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's Witness Lee. What is the hope of God's calling? Before we uh, get into the hope, we have to know God's calling first. The calling we have received in Ephesians chapter 1 is just the total of all these blessings by the triune God, including his selection, his predestination, his redemption, his sealing, and his praising. When you have received God's calling, you have to know you have received so much. Now, what is the hope of the calling? First of all, our hope is Christ himself. Christ in me is the hope of glory. And uh, all the other items of our hope are hanging upon him. He is our hope. Not only so, his coming will be our hope. You know, this word rapture is a hard word. Uh, in English, the word rapture means what? Yeah, ecstasy. Then why... The Christian teachers use the word, English word, rapture for taking up. Because in their consideration, to be taken up is really some kind of ecstasy. Suppose this afternoon, 1.30, the Lord Jesus comes. You tell me. Will you be happy? Will you have an ecstasy? I'm afraid many of us will be scared to death. Is that a kind of hope or not? Sorry to say, today most Christians take the matter of being taken up in a very, very low way. Paul says to Timothy, I say something to you before the appearance of the Lord and before his kingdom. This means you must, Timothy, have a life lived in the appearance of the Lord. Our living today must be right under the appearing of the Lord. Because by that time, you will stand before the judgment seat. You have to settle an account with him. Nobody knows your account, surely you know. Uh, you know all your shortcomings, your unfaithfulness. You know even all your rebellions. So you see, whether he will be hope to you or not, it all depends what kind of Christian life you lead. We must check and we must reconsider our way. It is no joke. If we are normal, Christ is our hope, and the rapture, it's also a kind of hope, an ecstasy. Well, 
well, a lot to wrestle with here, Francis, in this first segment. Uh, I think one of the key things he said was right at the very end when he said, if we are normal, Christ is our hope and the rapture will also be a kind of a hope and an ecstasy to us. But there also could be a situation if our Christian life is not normal in that sense, where uh, his coming may not be such a hopeful thing. Isn't that the case? It certainly is the case. I think it's very clear in all of Paul's writings, especially that have to do with uh, meeting the Lord or loving his appearance or uh, considering we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, has the realization in it that we need to be prepared. It's not just a matter of having our sins forgiven, but there's a matter of being prepared in his presence. When the Lord comes, will we be in an ecstasy or will we dread his coming? It is uh, sometimes expressed, the Lord's coming soon. Oh, no, I'm not ready. This kind of attitude really means that we've taken his coming lightly until we think that it might happen right now. Right. So we need to be ready. And if we are ready, then he is our hope. His presence is our hope. His coming is our hope. And our being caught up to him is our hope. This is a glorious hope. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's not just Christ in me, the Savior from sin and the Savior from hell. But Christ in me, the hope of glory. That means that I am anticipating his coming and my going to him. And this can be and should be a real ecstasy for us, not a frightening thing. Well, Francis, let's stay on this for just a minute because it's an important point, and it's one we began the program talking about, and that is that we do not want our hope to be a false hope. And when we come to this matter of rapture, the Lord's return, I think that there are uh, a lot of believers out there strictly that have no thought that there could be any uh, sort of dread attached to the Lord's coming. We're saved. But the dread that we're talking about is not over our eternal situation, our uh, eternal perdition. If we're saved, that's not an issue. But there's another issue that will come about when we, the Christians, face the Lord at his judgment seat at his return, isn't there? Yes, there is. And we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether it's good or bad. And I think we'll face this later in the program about this matter of good or bad. But we need to be careful about the kind of life we're living as Christians. There is an account we're going to give when the Lord comes. We will meet him at the judgment seat of Christ which is a judgment for believers, right. whether or not we've been living Christ, not just living for him in the sense of doing something for him, but living Christ because he is our life. He's in us as the hope of glory. So if we're living him as our life, we can expect an ecstasy at that time. But if we're not living him as our life, we can expect it will not be so pleasant. Francis, uh, in this next segment, we're going to stay on this matter of hope, but really take a look at why it was important for the apostle to pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to see this hope, the real hope of our calling. Here's Witness Lee once more. I tell you, his coming will be our hope. The returning Christ will be our hope, and by taking up will be also our hope. The transfiguration of our body will be the hope. And the glorification will be the hope. Not only so, if we lose our soul today, for his sake, if we suffer in our soul today, 
for his testimony. We do have a hope. When he comes, he will bring the salvation of our soul. Now our soul is under suffering. When he comes, he will bring our soul into his enjoyment. And this is the salvation of our soul mentioned in First Peter. All these hopes here are pending. Are pending. If we save our soul today, his coming back will be what? A loss to our soul. If we have a lot of enjoyment for our soul, caring not for his testimony, his coming back will be judgment to our soul. But if we live a life all the time losing our soul for his testimony, then his coming back will bring us a salvation to our soul. And that salvation will bring our soul into his enjoyment. This is a hope. Now, let me check with you. Why Paul prayed that we may know what is the hope of God's calling? Why? Let me tell you why. If you don't see all the hopes, you would not drop all the things today. See? If you see all the hopes in front of you, you will drop all the things. If you see Christ is coming, and you see you'll be taken up, you'll be transfigured, you'll be glorified, and if you see you will be in the enjoyment of your Lord in the thousand years, Spontaneously, you will drop all the things. We do have a splendid future. Francis, the Apostle Paul often used uh, the analogy of an athlete in training to gain the prize, to win the goal at the end. And that somewhat applies here, it seems, uh, that Paul is bringing into view the real hope as a kind of an incentive for us uh, as we're living our daily life, isn't he? Yes, he is, because you consider what he set before us here, our transformation, our transfiguration, our glorification, all these things are before us, and all certainly give us a hope. If we see this, if we see what has been accomplished by Christ in his death, in his resurrection, in his indwelling of us, so that he could effect in us a real realization that we are being not only kept by him, but we're being kept in line with him to live a holy life, to live a life that is according to God himself, which is really Christ living in us, and that's our hope of glory. But this hope that's set before us at his coming, his coming is a hope. Our being caught up to him is a hope, and our being glorified is a hope. All these hopes certainly build in us a desire to forego everything that we may just enter into all that he's prepared for us and for this hope that he's made so real to us today. How would you answer the question that occasionally comes up when we touch an item like this, and that is that, uh, well, aren't you talking about salvation by works, but the Bible is talking about salvation by grace? Salvation by grace through faith is absolutely a settled matter when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him. But that coming into us is just the beginning of our full salvation because the salvation that Paul is talking about 
is not only our eternal salvation, but our day-by-day salvation. Uh, as we had when we were on the book of Romans, we realize we're reconciled to God through the death of His Son. But we are being saved in His life. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about being saved in His life. We're talking about being saved in hope. This hope that's set before us is really a salvation because with this hope set before us, we can endure all kinds of loss, all kinds of hardships, and even be willing to lose our soul that we might experience the salvation of our soul in that day when we meet the Lord. And this is a key point to really have a good and clear understanding of this phrase, the salvation of our soul. That doesn't just refer to the fact that our eternal destiny is settled at the moment we receive the Lord Jesus, as we've been talking about. Uh, yes, in fact, it is. But what is the condition of our soul? And is our soul going to be uh, really brought into a situation where it is fully in a state of being saved? Yeah. Many Christians make a mistake because they think that the soul and the spirit is the same thing in our being. But our soul is all our, our mind, emotion, and will, which is early our person. But our spirit is the container for God himself. And that's our spirit is what's born again when we receive Christ. Because John 3 says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit, is our spirit. Mm-hmm. So that was the beginning, and that is the secured part of our salvation, which cannot be altered. It is eternal. That leads us, I think, into our last segment today, which touches the second half of this verse, the second item that Paul included at this point in his prayer, and that is, and what are the riches of the glory of, and this is an interesting phrase, his, meaning God's inheritance in the saints. And I think this is what we want to uh, be clear about as we conclude our program with our final segment today. Here's Witness Lee again. Then the second thing, Paul prayed that we may see the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints. The inheritance in the saints. Now what is this? We are God's inheritance. But listen, whatever we are naturally, it's not inheritance. Whatever God has dispensed into us of himself, this is God's inheritance. How much of God's inheritance is in us all depends upon how much God has routed himself into our being. You can sit down and ask him, Lord, Show me how much within me is you. We need to increase. We need to increase in what God is within us. It is this part that constitutes the inheritance of God among the saints. Nearly all of us, we just live in a natural way. We don't discern whether that is natural or that is divine. As long as it is good, we just justify it. We just take it. But only the divine attributes are the riches of God's glory. We need to see this. Then we could have a proper church life. When God in Christ is routed into our being, Whatever comes out of this very God is divine. 
then our love is divine, our patience is divine, our humility is divine, our holiness is divine, even our righteousness is divine. All these divine virtues are what? Are the riches of the glory of God in His inheritance among the saints. Francis, what God is looking to inherit in us, his people or his saints, uh, using Paul's word here, is just himself and not what is good according to our understanding. So it seems like what we need to be able to distinguish is the difference between what in us is good and what in us is God. Yeah, right. This is a big difference because most of the time when a person gets saved, he then wants to be good. And uh, even before a person gets saved, he wants to be good. Right. No one particularly sets out to be bad. But the question here for the Christian is not good and bad, not right and wrong, but it's God, our self, hmm. one or the other. And God is going to inherit what is of him that is in us. What is in us that he will inherit is all of his attributes, like light, holiness, Righteousness, peace, joy, goodness, kindness, they are the attributes of God that are being worked into us, or as he put it, wrought into our being, so that we realize that what God is inheriting is just himself wrought into us. Right. So our big question today is how much of Christ is wrought into me? Uh, we've got just a minute left. Maybe it's a good time to bring up an analogy that we have used many times before, the hand in the glove, because there is the capacity just in human nature, even fallen human nature, for a kind of goodness and a kind of kindness and these things that seem to sort of match God, but they're much like the fingers in a glove without the hand in there yet. Right. I often use this illustration, since I heard it, of the hand in the glove. The uh, illustration that I use is like a surgical glove. Uh, that just exactly fits the hand, or the hand fits into the glove so that there's hardly any difference between the glove and the hand. And uh, the glove cannot do anything on its own. It could certainly not perform an operation on its own. It must have the surgeon's hand in it. And so God comes into man to uh, be what he is and to do what he does in us, but not by us. So uh, this way we get a good, clear picture of uh, God operating in us. These fingers of the glove are just the human virtues that have no capacity to do anything, even to stand up straight without the hand. But once the hand comes into the glove, all of these virtues, by the attributes in the hand, all these virtues become operative. And then it's God himself in his divine attributes functioning and operating through the virtues that were created by God mm. in man. I really, I like your uh, little improvement to that illustration. The surgical glove is a very good picture, isn't it? It's not a work glove, you know. Yeah, right. It needs the hand of a skillful surgeon within. That's right. Uh, Francis, we are out of time, but uh, a marvelous message. I think just as a cap to what we've talked about today, once the real hand has gotten into the glove, then of a certainty the rapture will be a kind of an ecstasy for us and not a dread, won't it? Amen. That's right. And I think we need to have that capstone on it because this is our hope. 
Amen. Well, uh, we continue to uh, explore just the first chapter of this life study of Ephesians. It's, uh, as we pointed out before, one of the life studies that uh, was very, very meaningful in the ministry of Witness Lee and one that he spent a good amount of time on. And so we uh, we are going slow. And we will continue to move at this pace because there's riches in uh, every turn and twist of the language that the Apostle Paul used in this incredible book, isn't there? There is. It's my favorite. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd like to get the printed messages and material into your hands. Our toll-free number is one eight 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 Life Study, eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight, or you can write to us, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box twenty one twenty one, Anaheim, California nine two eight one four, or by email radio at lsm dot org. And we hope that you'll be with us next week as we continue to explore Ephesians in this life study. And Francis, we'll have you back next week as well, Lord willing. Good. I'd like to come back. Very good. That's it for Francis Ball. I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. These Life Study messages show us that every book of the Bible revealed that enjoying Him in this way will bring us to the goal of our salvation. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online, free of charge, that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.